From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Francis Rose. Thanks for watching Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm your host, Francis Rose. The Defense Department's Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification could be headed to civilian agencies. Director of the CMMC Policy Office in the Undersecretary of Acquisition and Sustainment, Stacy Bastanyak, says civilian agencies are interested in CMMC if its rollout is successful. Federal News Network reports Bastanyak won't say which agencies might want to adopt CMMC. The General Services Administration will open more centers of excellence soon. The director of the Technology Transformation Service, Anil Cherian, says after the Department of Labor's COE opens, quote, there are a few more in the pipeline. FCW reports Cherian hasn't said where new COEs will focus. The White House's new budget request zeroes out funding for the Defense Department's mentorship program. That program matches large contractors with small businesses. Federal News Network reports officials could keep the project going by letting big contractors charge their expenses on the program as an allowable cost. The Department of Agriculture now has a fully consolidated security operations center. The agency brought eight different mission areas together into one office that handles all of its security operations. Venus Goodwine is the chief information security officer at the Department of Agriculture. Venus, welcome back. It's great to see you. Well, thank you, Francis. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell me about this transformation process. This was not just the consolidation of the mm -hmm. SOCs. This had to do with the eight different areas that all consolidated under your boss, Gary Washington. Am I reading that yes. right? Yes, you are. Absolutely. So in 2018, when the risk determination report was issued by um, OMB and DHS, four core actions were a part of that report, and one of them was consolidate the SOC. Mm -hmm. So we, of course, did that. So how do you do that when agency is large as yeah. USDA? Well, first of all, we had to identify what was the work considered to be SOC or what we call some SOC-like functions. Mm -hmm. And all of our 29 agencies and staff offices, each had their own individual services, so we had to identify that. So using the cybersecurity framework as the model, we decided then that we would align all the work within that model, the five functions, identify, mm -hmm. detect, protect, respond, recover, then of course the categories and the subcategories. The next task then was how, what about the people and the skills required to actually do the work? Mm -hmm. And so we leaned on the NICE framework for that by identifying the work roles that were actually um, required in order to form, to continue all the SOC and SOC-like work that we were doing. Mm -hmm. And so com combined with those two efforts alone was the first nemesis of here's our consolidated SOC, our Agriculture Security Operations Center. So it sounds like you did it the way that agencies typically don't do it, which is to say, what do we want the outcome to look like? Yes. What, what do we want the end mm -hmm. result to be? And then what are the steps we have to take in the, in the interim? Agencies don't usually do that. Well, it was important that we rooted and grounded all of our processes in, in a framework so that it wouldn't be personality mm -hmm. specific. So it's not personality driven by yeah. some you know great idea that I had, but really it was based on standards that were already established throughout our industry for cybersecurity. What were the big roadblocks that you ran into in this effort? It strikes me that one of them is mm -hmm. if you've got 29 little organizations out there, every single one of them probably did 
did the thing mm -hmm. completely different than the Absolutely. other 28. Which is why the cybersecurity framework was important yeah. because it laid the foundation. What does it mean to do asset management? What does incident response actually mean? So tying it to that. But the other challenge was, of course, you know, convincing the agencies of the value proposition in this. Mm -hmm. If I, so my conversation was, if I, you allow me to do the cybersecurity work for you, then you can focus on your actual core mission. Rather, that's, you know, rural development or food safety, mm -hmm. and let me take care of the security of the systems you need in order to enhance your mission. How did that message go over? Because again, organizations mm -hmm. inside bureaucracies of mm -hmm. all types, mm -hmm. Yes. like their stuff and mm -hmm. like to keep doing what they do or they've been doing yes. well if you ask me I say it went well right? <laughs> and so but I would think I will tell you from feedback from the assistant CIOs that yes they agreed and understand the value proposition and mm -hmm. now that not only did I move the work and the people to do the work for them they can now focus on really those core missions and then for the people that's the other side because you're, you're, you're I'm a cybersecurity professional in my particular agency and I like working in my agency mm -hmm. so for me to tell them that they they we're going to now move into this big umbrella. I had to build for them. You know, we always talk about, well, what's the with them? You know, what's in it for me? But I say, no, it's the wifi. What's mm -hmm. in it for you? Here's mm -hmm. what's in it for you. Because we identified the work roles using the NICE framework, we also identified then a path, a mm -hmm. growth path. You may have been incident responder in your agency, but now as a SOC a, that has all of the functions, you have the ability to be a pen tester or you have the ability to work on the threat hunt team. So we provided to them opportunities. Yeah. I I think that's probably the most, you did a lot of wise things it sounds like, I think that's maybe the wisest to mm -hmm. give employees a chance to see Absolutely. opportunities instead of have to take an order. Yes. Here's where you're going to go and this is the new yes. thing you're going to do and you don't really get any choice in the yes. matter. Yes, no, it was very good conversations. We used the NICE framework, all of the tasks. We identified the work and the skills mm -hmm. so that we also could identify any gaps that we may have had across the agency and how we would fill those gaps from other agencies. So there's a plethora of, of skills and abilities within USDA for cybersecurity. So having that together under one umbrella is a win-win. So you've talked about what's in it for the employees and what's in it for the agency. Mm -hmm. How does this affect the way you deliver on mission? What's in it for the farmer as a result mm -hmm. of the work that you've done? I know you're intensely focused on it. Oh, absolutely. You know, customer experience is number one, right? Mm -hmm. Being data driven and being customer focused is definitely number one. And so it's ease of use. Now that not only do we have ease of use because now we're actually delivering products that they can use, but we're doing that securely as well. Mm -hmm. So again, I always talk, um, and you've heard me say on your show before, it's about trust. It's about the data you give to me, I'm going to protect, and the data that I give to you is in fact authoritative. So it's a trust relationship that we have with our farmers and ranchers. All right, wanted to throw some terms at you in the yes. about a minute and a half that we have mm -hmm. less. Trust is part of one of them, zero Absolute, trust, yes. and CDM, where do yes. they fit into what you're doing security-wise at Ag right now? Absolutely. So the other part of the consolidation was when you consolidate all the people and the mission, mm -hmm. you also consolidate all the tools. So how do we make a decision on what tools we will land on? Well, CDM wins. CDM first. We already have an investment in CDM, and investment was made into us as well. So definitely, definitely we are leveraging all the CDM capabilities and tools within our environment to deliver on our security responsibilities, and definitely zero trust because what I want it's about the data mm -hmm. and when the perimeter now is wherever my data is so wherever the users take my data rather it's at home Starbucks on the mobile device I need to have visibility into that data zero trust allows us to do that so no matter where you are when you connect to the internet I know where you are and also and I'm not not that I'm watching <laughs> right be careful how I say that yes. but no I know where the data is mm -hmm. on that particular device
device and that when you connect to the network, I know what you're authorized to see and then I can then grant you permissions to see what you're entitled to see. So zero trust is a win as well. Venus, it's great to have you back. Congratulations. Thank on the you work very you much, Francis. Up next, top trends in government technology. Straight ahead on Government Matters, how government can implement new technology and the digital reinvention you need to watch out for. You're watching WJLA 24-7 News. This Industry Matters segment is brought to you by BDO. Welcome back. IBM is moving its federal and public sector units into one business that will include healthcare and life sciences, government and education, and defense and intelligence industries. Here to talk about trends he's seeing in government technology, Sam Gordy, Chief Strategy Officer of the U.S. Public and Federal Markets at IBM. Sam, welcome. It's good to see you Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Thank you, Francis. What are the, when you talk to agencies across government, what are they asking you now? What are they curious to know about as far as the capabilities they're trying to deliver on mission? So, so I think what we're seeing is, is a lot of the similar trends that we've seen in the commercial world, mm -hmm. and, and the government you know, tends to move at a slightly slower pace, procurement being what it is and, and risk being what it is. You know, they can't be quite as agile as, as we see in the commercial world. But now we're seeing all the same things. Mm -hmm. We're seeing multi-cloud, hybrid cloud, across the board, uh, customs and border protection coming out with a procurement in that area today, the intelligence agencies, you know, moving down that same track. Mm -hmm. uh, even in the DOD space, you know, obviously we had Jedi, but, but around that you see Dana DC talking multi-cloud and inevitably you have to move from multi-cloud to hybrid cloud, mm -hmm. key element of that. And then on top of that, of course, you, you start to leverage data with blockchain and, and, uh, and AI. So, so I think all of that is, is what you're seeing. Obviously, on the defense and intelligence side, the, the goals are improving the security of the United States. On the civilian side, and that goes on down to my new area, right, state and local business and healthcare, it's all about the individual and, and government connecting with the, with the individual citizen and making their lives easier. As you're learning more about the sled market, what are you seeing there that's similar to the federal market and what are you seeing that's dramatically different? So a whole host of parallels, as yeah. you can imagine. I mean, you know, let's start with follow the money, right? The vast, vast majority of entitlements come down into that state and local markets, mm -hmm. so you see very very close connections between Medicare, Medicare, uh, sorry, Medicare, Medicaid down into down into that sled market. Uh, you see uh, common common elements um, over you know going down into um, uh, USDA agriculture down to the individual you know local elements there. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of connections there. But even in some odd places, you see it. So so we have a, a, a suicide prevention app that we're working with the Veterans Administration. We're now bringing that into University of South Carolina, working with athletes. So so even those sorts of things, you you can see those. And and that's really my main focus is how do we how do we leverage those synergies you know, across, across the full span of those markets. Given what you're learning about those parallels and some of the differences too, what are some of the best lessons that you think a technologist in the federal government can take from what her peers at the state and local level are doing? So I think very much the same, and, and as you know, that's sort of been my bandwagon yeah. for years on, on what do we take from the commercial side. Mm -hmm. so, so I think the same lessons, both up and down, if you will, from federal to state and local level, in some cases, you know, you see elements within the state and local market that are that are moving incredibly fast. Sonoma Valley out in California uh, with healthcare and and what and what they've been doing, and so we're taking that. How do we bring that back up and and apply it across that whole state market? 
And oh, by the way, you know, we as the federal and public market link up into IBM Global. Mm -hmm. So how do we how do we export that into into what's being done in Europe and and other areas where IBM's operating? Is there something inherent in the federal acquisition process that prevents it from being as agile as say Sonoma County in California, or? Is it just different processes that they've learned how to do that the federal uh, government hasn't learned how to do yet? Certainly there are some differences, but but I think we're seeing a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's been a hot topic for, for years, right, in in, in uh, reinventing the, the procurement process. You see OTAs, other transactional authority within the DOD side. I think that's where you see it sort of moving, mm -hmm. you know, much more quickly. Uh, but even over on the uh, you know intelligence side of the business with the with the hybrid cloud effort that that's coming out there, that's moving very fast, and and they are very much striving for commercial capability. So so I think you're seeing that adoption. When the cloud computing revolution started, technologists in the federal government started demanding it. One of the big holdups was acquisition shops weren't quite sure how to buy something that essentially was a subscription. Right. Have, have they gotten better at doing that? Do they understand the way to buy that kind of thing now? Not only do they now understand, I think it's now becoming an imperative. Mm. Uh, you know, more and more you see that, not just with respect to the cloud, yeah. but, but with all software and even hardware. Uh, so you see, you see hardware as a service uh, bids coming out these days, and and so I think I think the government has very much learned how how do we go buy you know from this pers uh, subscription process mm -hmm. and what are the benefits of it um, because you don't have big capital outlays it, it transfers to O and M you know that's one on the other hand you get technology refresh that 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 you really put the burden on the provider to to bring to the table not not the government having to then do a big buy mm -hmm. they're they're building those into the contracts what's over the horizon that people in at the federal level should be paying attention to maybe it's not hot now Maybe it's not quite ready for prime time, but in a year or two sure. years or five years will be coin of the realm. Well, and, and I, don't, I don't think you have to be a great prognosticator to, to do that. You simply have to look at what's happening in the, in the public market. Mm -hmm. so, so hybrid cloud absolutely is, is coming. And, and just so everyone understands, you have multi-cloud, but hybrid cloud is very different. You can be as siloed as you were in the old days with multi-cloud, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not touching across those. But you build in that, that layer that allows you to seamlessly shift across all of those clouds to include private clouds, to include on-prem capability, so it's all part of that holistic ecosystem. You need to get there in order to be able to truly leverage all of your data. So that would be number one. Number two is AI, because candidly the government's still dabbling there, get, mm -hmm. dipping its toe in the water. There's a lot of proof of concepts. No one's really leaping in and going big, and then blockchain would would be the third. Uh, TradeLens, for example, is a, is an effort we have with Merck Shipping and others uh, that now supports 60% of the world's shipping, and it's only about a year and a half old. And uh, and so and again, as I've said, you've got you've got commercial applications right into the federal space. So take what we're doing in shipping, we'll apply that to logistics for the military, you know, or or postal service or or GSA or anybody. It's a broad, broad application. Sam Gordy, it's great to see you. Thanks. So, for absolutely, coming. thank you, Francis. Up next, your money and your retirement. Straight ahead on Government Matters, which of your colleagues and friends are juicing up their TSP accounts? Don't forget, if you miss an episode of Government Matters, you can find it on our website, govmatters.tv. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. Partial withdrawals are up in the thrift savings plan. The FERS and uniform services participation rates are also increasing. Kim Weavers, Director of External Affairs, the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board. Kim, welcome back. It's great to see you. Thank you. What do you think is driving this increase among the FERS people and the uniform service? Is it the same dynamic or are there different dynamics driving these increases? It's largely um, auto enrollment mm. in both cases. Uh, as you know, blended retirement uh, rolled out in January of 2018 and so what we have seen is a steady march of a steady increase in the uniform services participation rate driven almost exclusively by auto enrollment. Mm -hmm. um, the DOD tells us that we should expect between 200 and 250,000 new service members every year and so um, that obviously has an impact when you're, you're uh, in taking that. Just about every month that you were here up till the blended retirement the military started, we talked about what you were doing to prepare at the thrift savings plan. Exactly. I think if memory serves me, we haven't talked about it once since then. We haven't because it I went think, smoothly. Well, that's what I was going to say. It strikes me this is a case of no news is good news, right? Precisely Everything's right. worked smoothly. Yes. There there were small things and we worked with DOD. We've we've established, I think we had a good relationship before. Mm -hmm. We've established an even better relationship um, both on sort of the mechanical side of it and the educational side of it. One of the things that I've uh, read since the last time you were here is that the automatic enrollment percentage will go from three to five percent come this fall. Yes. How many people that come into the government now are signing up for the TSP and not doing anything they're defaulting to whatever's already there. Roughly 25% of our participants have been auto-enrolled at 3% mm -hmm. and not taken any affirmative action to either change their enrollment amount, the, their contri contribution amount, or the fund that they're contributing to. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, by doing that, they're leaving free money on the table. So to address that, we're gonna be auto-enrolling people at 5%. They'll get their full match mm -hmm. from day one. Yeah, that's the key there, is enrolling at 3%, they don't get anything from the agency to match them to that. Well, they get the 3% match, but they don't get the additional I match see. for four and five. Understood. Um, and you're auto-enrolling them into the appropriate life cycle fund yes. for their retirement now instead of the G fund. It was that for a long time. It was. It? Uh, that changed several years ago. I can't mm -hmm. remember exactly when. Um, one of the things that people are interested in about Thrift Savings Plan all the time is the security of the information that they have stored with you. You have new results from uh, FISMA report on uh, TSP? Yes. Yesterday, our board heard from our FISMA auditor, um, and they said that we had made market improvements in our FISMA, in our information security, and that there's additional work to be done, mm -hmm. as there always is. Um, one of your earlier guests was talking about SOCs, yes. and, and of course it's a constant uh, constant battle to make sure that the data you're protecting stays protected. Mm -hmm. um, and after our, our FISMA auditor gave his report, their report, um, our CISO uh, briefed our board about what we're doing in response to that uh, and what he told them is that we're going to be continuing um, our A&A process which is of course a never-ending thing but we have 
um, baked in the privacy controls. NIST has um, outlined some privacy controls that should be part of your ANA, and we're fair. We're we're kind of proud that we're a little bit ahead of the curve on that one. Um, so that's part of our ANA process. We are also um, going to be developing or maturing our metrics on information security, and we're going to be um, improving our contingency planning for our information security program. All of those things sound like doing accelerating what you're doing rather than we have to come up with some brand new solution because what we were doing before precisely is outdated or something. The conversation at the board meeting, what, um, what, what our auditors said to our board was um, it, it is sort of a hockey stick progression. Mm -hmm. It's slow because the, a lot of the fundamental work takes time. Um, and then you should see sort of an accelerating progression um, that goes a little bit faster once the fundamentals are done. Mm -hmm. And they indicated that they believed that the fundamentals were largely in place. All right, you used a word before we started that I don't know that I know what it means and that's roll-ins. What does that mean? Roll-ins means that if you're in a 401k mm -hmm. or the thrift savings plan, um, you can roll in money from other tax qualified oh, okay. plans. So uh, the average FERS employee who starts with the government is about 36, 37. Mm -hmm. And so for the most part, they have other tax qualified money. And should they choose to, they can roll it into the TSP. Um, the benefit of that is all your money's in one place. You take advantage mm -hmm. of the TSP's low fees, blah, blah, blah. The last two months, we have seen record um, roll-ins, both in amounts and numbers. And we are hypothesizing that the additional withdrawal options that we um, put into place last September have given people some comfort that should they need their money, they mm -hmm. have access to it, and so now they are combining. That is simply our hypothesis. We don't have any uh, science behind that, but that's what we think is driving the growth and roll-ins. 10 seconds, does it matter why people are doing it, or is it just of interest that they're doing it's it? It's just of interest. Kim Weaver, thanks as always. Thank you very much. If you've missed the show or you're on the go, you can stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Government Matters is available now as an audio podcast. You can subscribe and get it every day on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. Or just ask your digital assistant to play the Government Matters podcast. I'm back in two minutes. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 11 on WJLA 24-7 News and Sunday mornings at 1030 on ABC 7 to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. Our daily program is produced by Sharice Hanner and Ashley Gallagher. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our web editor is Andrew Wagner. Government Matters was created by George Jackson. Visit govmatters.tv for articles, videos, and more, including our first feature-length documentary, The Dawn of Generation AI. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group.